Everyone, you just hit the nail on the head, looks at drones in two different ways. It's either the toy you can buy at Best Buy that you can fly around and take some great video and make some, you know, something for your Instagram page. Or, and then you think on the other side, the total opposite end of the spectrum, it's the Predator drones. It's what's done in military. It's these giant unmanned or uncrewed aircraft that are being flown tens of thousands of kilometers away. Hello and a warm collisions. YYC, welcome to Mr. Jordan Sicoria. How are you, Jordan? <laughs> I'm great. How are you doing today, Tyler? I'm awesome, man. We've been just chatting away about skiing and everything under the sun. And as per usual, I'm like, damn, I better push record or we're going to run out of time. You are, I'm, this, I'm really excited. On the, we're going to geek out a little bit today. This is, this is a cool conversation you and I met a few months back through some mutual contacts. This, that's, how, that's how Western Canada, certainly Calgary works. You are the president at Arium Analytics. So let's just jump into the, the pitch elevator, not the pitch elevator, but the, uh, the elevator speech elevator. And what's the area of analytics? What do you guys do? What are you all about? And then let's, uh, let's get into this thing. Yeah, well, thank you again. So area of analytics, we're all about drones, but um, it's really interesting how we work. We're really working on how to create what I like to call solving those really hard to do problems in industries that are challenging that you wouldn't normally see drones in. So we operate in airports. We're probably one of the foremost operators of drones and makers of solutions for airports using drone technology. And really what we're trying to do is find ways to leverage this new technology to make things safer, to make them more environmentally friendly and to increase efficiencies as well. So, um, what does that mean? Okay, that's a lot of words, but really what it means is we're, you know, being born and raised in Calgary, we're always problem solvers. So we started this going, well, how do we do things better? How do we capture data better? How do we keep people out of harm's way? How do we protect the environment? And from that, you know, we've got some amazing tools we use now. So one of them, for instance, it's a flapping wing drone. It looks like a bird. It flies like a bird. And if you haven't seen this thing, check out our YouTube page. But it is called Robert, and it's a robotic falcon. So we use this to keep birds away from aircraft, to keep birds away from landing in tailings ponds. We use this to reduce what I call negative bird-human interactions. So that's just one of the many cool things we do. And, and in addition to that, we are also we build out solutions that replace a guy in a truck doing an inspection, replace a guy in a truck driving in circles all day long. We're now taking this amazing technology and uh, helping solve some of the common problems in these industries. I appreciate it. Question for you. A lot of the pro the things that you rhymed off initially could be undertaken by any industry. When you said we want to, you know, make things safer, we want to reduce you know, all the things that you said, again, could line up with a lot of different technology solutions. Yep. From a motivation perspective, we're going maybe back to maybe some of the roots of the organization. Was it like, hey, we love drone technology. What can we actually do with it? Or was it a combination of like, we see industry problems and we think drone technology can really play a part, you know, like chicken, egg, technology looking for a problem to solve or a problem that was actually properly solved by an emerging technology? It was a problem that's being solved by an emerging technology. I mean, okay. we've, you know, my family and, and our sister company, the Lornell Group, we've been working in environment and regulatory industries for 40 years. So we've worked with forestry, we've worked with oil and gas, you know, we do a ton of mapping and GIS type data. And mm, back in about 2015, it. it was, okay, these are common problems. You use aircraft today, but drones are starting to come about. How do we actually use them? And they're smaller, they're easier to handle. Um, there's less of a regulatory need for managing them. And you can get your information faster. And that's where the conversation started. And, you know, start kicking tires, you bring in a drone or two and try to take off that shiny, hey, this is cool, I'm flying a thing. And going, is this actually providing value? Is this yeah. doing something better? And so that was really 
we looked at an emerging technology to solve some of the problems that have been around for a long time. I love that. I really appreciate understanding the roots of like, yeah, we were already up close against a lot of these problems. And then like, hey, wow, can this, you know, hey, we could bring in a helicopter. That's not financially viable. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't, you know, even talking about places like the airport where you're not just going to yeah. randomly fly a helicopter around to, to, to scare birds away, to, to oversimplify that, what you guys what you guys do there. But talk to me a little bit about, let's geek out, like talk to me about where drone technology or unmanned aerial vehicles, where's that at and how fast, like back in, we all heard about drones and you had the buddy who bought the little DJG or, you know, those, those ones that like were holding the palm of your hand drones. And then you've got the big commercial or even military applications that we see in movies and TV. Where are we at on that cycle? It's super interesting when you actually take the look back at the entire industry and where it's gone and where it's come from. I mean, everyone, you just hit the nail on the head, looks at drones in two different ways. It's either the toy you can buy at Best Buy that you can fly around and take some great video and make some, you know, something for your Instagram page or, <laughs> or if you want to do a few rooftop inspections, really simple. And then you think on the other side, the total opposite end of the spectrum, it's the Predator drones. It's what's yeah. done in military. It's these giant unmanned or uncrewed aircraft that are being flown tens of thousands of kilometers away uh, for missions and pieces like that. Drones have actually been around since basically the same time as aircraft started. Uh, you know, there was remote operations going on, but it was just really quiet and really um, not a lot going on there. Then it moved into the military, and then all of a sudden, you know, back in the early 2000s, you started to have this boom going, well, wait, we have the technology now. We can build them smaller. We can build them off the shelf. We can mm. manufacture these. And it's moved into an area now where you actually have three different kind of key industries. You have the commercial guys flying FPV or buying the DJI minis and flying them around. You've still got the military side. Now you have this massive commercial sector that's growing and is growing exponentially. I mean, there's the predictions, you know, of 14% growth in the military side, which is 200 to $400 million a year just in the U.S. alone. But when you look at growth overall, they're talking about it's a $20 billion industry right now. And about $9 billion of that is on the commercial side it's not on okay. the military side so it's actually catching up um, rapidly and now you're seeing this interesting interconnection where military technologies are coming into the commercial space but more importantly cheaper faster more efficient technologies on the commercial side are now being reapplied to the military going wait someone's figured out a better cheaper way to do this and safer and more integrated as well because talk machine learning you talk ai I mean, I can rabbit hole for days on this, but right. the, the state of the industry right now is we're out of the, I call it the cowboy phase, where everybody <laughs> is trying to figure out how to do it. Hey, I can start a business here. Hey, I might be able to do this. You're starting to see consolidation and maturation. Um, but the interesting thing I always say is that drones aren't actually an industry. It's a disruptive technology, and it's going into every industry that it possibly could you see them inside in it's manufacturing. Like, it's like calling calling tech a sector. No, no, no. It's an exactly. underpinning of everything. It's not. It's yeah. not a sector. I like what you said about you know better, faster, cheaper of the unit itself. The technology. It's lighter. It can fly farther. It can fly in more adverse conditions. It's easier to control. Then you added in the layer of ML and AI of the data that we can now process and the speed and the efficiency. Is that kind of two buckets that are really different, like allowing this industry to excel? It's like great. We can collect a whole bunch of data. What do we do with it? Wow, this unit, I can now get access to a commercial grade unit at a more accessible price point. This may be easier to maintain and you know easier to fly that way from an operator perspective. But then the whole other side of like, great, what do we do with this is really where ML and AI have, have accelerated. Massively. Um, okay. 
yeah for, from sense. a drone perspective i always say that you know a drone is a tool and a tool carries a thing and in the especially in this industry in this technology there's two different things you're carrying you're either carrying a payload or a package from point to point so that's the whole drone delivery concept that's been talked about for a long yeah. time or you're carrying a sensor and that sensor is collecting data and that's just where it starts. If you're going to collect vast sums of optical data or laser-based data or, you know, thermal data, what are you doing with that? You know, you're getting yeah. gigabytes, if not terabytes of information. And great. So now you can see it. You're not going to have someone sit there and look at hours and hours of video. <laughs> that's where yeah. machine learning comes in. That's where these technologies can... Okay, what am I looking for? Is it a leak in a, in a pipe? Is it an object on a runway that shouldn't be there? Okay, ML is going, hey, there's something here that shouldn't be here, alert. And so we're using this technology to enhance and make better decisions faster on, on basically everything we can do. In the role that you play at Arium Analytics, is it more on the sec, like there's the drone delivery concept, which we'll talk about because that feels a little bit more like something we've run into. We've seen the Amazon videos and those types of things versus what I see a little bit from looking in your world, even your name, Arium Analytics. No, we're collecting data and then we're using it to solve a problem or to optimize an operation of some kind. Just thinking yeah. about the airport and eliminating bird strikes or reducing yeah. bird strikes. That's, and that's exactly where Arium focuses. We're, yeah. We focus more on that data side. We focus on that use of these tools to help support standard operations that happen every day you know airports you know that's a vital piece of infrastructure and logistics for i mean not only for us to go to our next vacation but at the same time to get all of these packages from point to point to make sure we can travel all over the world well that happens every day and there's so much that goes on behind the scenes from a safety and security perspective um, that we no one really pays attention to but it's there it's just like the energy sector it's just like the forestry sector these are it's happening on a day-to-day -day basis so the faster the more accurate you can collect data the faster you can get that data into the hands of decision makers or to be able to make sure your infrastructure is maintained and it's not collapsing the better right and a lot of that to yeah. date has always been done by okay well i need to go around and visually inspect it you know we trust our eyes we trust the we trust teams to go and experts to do this but there's so many new technologies that have come about in the sensor world in the camera world in the payload world that drones are really a place where software and hardware are merging now into okay what is this actually doing how does this make things better would this all fun fall under just a very broad acronym of iot i yeah i mean i would just, say just the way you said sensors and i'm like oh, okay yeah, yeah i see where it is but i also see where it's where it's just outside of that maybe a little bit it 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 parallels iot like there is okay. interconnections into iot but when you're talking in the tech space like drones are really looked at as their own vertical that works with iot that works with standard ops because okay. you've got an aviation yeah, yeah. component you've got an uh MLAI component, you have the payload component. It's an integration is really what it is of, of a series of different technologies together. Has that in itself been a challenge? Because you've got a few different masters in there when you talk about, let's just pick the airport authority and let's just pick all of the, like you said, the amount of things that go on behind the scenes there that us as a consumer or a traveler or a beneficiary of those services, which we all are in one way or another, but just even if it's the Amazon package that showed up uh, and how it got to Calgary uh, and, and, and that process, 
how is that selling into like thinking now put on your business hat like wow okay i've got to make sure that regulatory is okay with me i've got to make sure that operations can see value i've got to make sure that it understands where i'm tapping into or not tapping into their data stream has that been a bit of a trick because it feels like it from the outside it it's it is challenging um but i mean for us and and where we kind of came from that that's our forte Okay. We always we always grew up playing in that interstitial space between departments, between companies, and how okay. to interconnect it. Um, not that it was easy. I mean, the first time we flew at an international airport, I, it took me six months of proving to both the regulator, Nav Canada, and the airport that please prove to me that this drone's not going to smash into an aircraft. Yeah. Show me the safety features. Show me that we we moved to a safe distance, well away from the airport, and started flying that drone with everyone watching. And you know, after a while. Tons of safety, tons of trust. It's still aviation at the end of the day, right. um, but we've gotten to the point now where they're like, "Okay, yep, you're you're trusted. We know you." And then, so from a business perspective, and this is a really cool part. Now we're bottling that up, we're packaging that, and helping give that to our trusted partners and sharing that across North America. So it's not just us doing these things as a service, but it's like we've now worked out the kinks. We figured out how to do this. Let's set you up for success so you can see the success we've seen with our partners in aviation, energy, et cetera. And it's, uh, it's been a really cool evolution. Um, you know, COVID kind of kicked us in the butt a bit. We lost about yep. two years that, of that. But mm, now okay. all of a sudden, thanks to this pause, you're seeing people coming back going, I don't have people. I'm struggling to bring expertise back. Okay, I need to look at these technologies. Oh, this has been proven and you've done this thousands of times. Okay, let's talk. And it's it's been this interesting evolution that's happened um, from the first time when we went, hey, we want to fly a drone at an airport. And everyone went, you want to do what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fear. No, no, no is the easy answer on that one, right? Right out of the gate. Yeah. Oh, building trust, was... de-risking, de-risking, de-risking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a no until it wasn't. And I mean, our partners at Edmonton <laughs> Airport, very much we asked, we were like, well, why why are you going on this journey with us? And they went, well, we know this is coming. And so we'd rather be part of helping um, guide where it goes rather than just sitting there denying it, not paying attention. And all of a sudden one day, it's just thrust upon us and, and we have n- no input into how it's going to be managed. I think that's such an interesting. I've had Edmonton Airport brought up a couple times on the show by a variety of guests of talking about their innovation mindset and their mandate and their strategic direction to be like, we need to get ahead of the curve. We need to try things. We need to do things in a safe way. Obviously, that's non negotiable in the world of aviation. But I've heard, like, also just paying them homage and giving them a shout out as an organization that may. A world that may be um, accused of just resting on it. This is the way we've always done it. I've heard their name mentioned a handful of times, always in a very like, well, no, no, they tried this because their mandate was to be innovative. And then they found different ways to make that come alive. Uh, You know, I get huge high fives on that one for sure (laughs) for them. Yeah. And they, that what you just described is exactly the same journey we went through with them. Hmm. And they've been huge um, supporters helping make sure that the tools we're creating are practical and they actually make sense and solve a problem. Um, in addition to that, you know, we, it's weird to say, and a lot of people be like, you what? But we get to use Edmonton International Airport, the fifth largest airport in Canada, as a test ground. We get to work with their teams and close off runways if we have to, to test these objects. We're, we're pushing the envelope on the regulatory boundaries to make it more efficient. And when you have a partners that have that a, a adopted culture of technology and finding new and innovative ways to do things... 
uh, you all get to sit together at the crazy side of the table and go, yep, we did that. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy side. It's like the kids' table, but better. Yeah. Um, curious, this is just my own morbid curiosity. Am I going to get my packages delivered? Am I going to get my Amazon packages delivered to my front door by a drone anytime soon or, or even not soon, <laughs> like the next five years? Not not soon. Um, okay. The interesting, and this is my opinion. I mean, uh, the usage of drones for logistics and, and package delivery is absolutely going to be part of the future of, of transportation and logistics. But it's going to start on what I'm calling more middle mile or more remote community drop off okay. and and so heard, i have read that yeah yeah mm -hmm. and in canada especially like access to goods to remote communities that don't have access any other way um larger drones that can drop packages and make them move quicker and get the cost of a you know a liter of milk down from four dollars yeah. to something more manageable getting vital um, medicines to our remote communities that's where you're going to see it start in canada uh, will you eventually get to um, maybe have a pizza or your book delivered by drone? It's a possibility, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done on the safety side. Mm. How do you prevent thousands of drones flying in the air from, a first off, hitting each other, second off, hitting an air a manned aircraft or a crewed aircraft, and thirdly, make sure they don't drop something on somebody's head. And, and it's not that the technology out there doesn't exist, and this is happening. You see Zipline, you see others moving it, but they're all in more remote locations right now. Yeah. Um, and sense. it's it, aviation, and the whole reason why aviation moves so slow, uh, this is what I learned when I got into the industry, is because every single rule and regulation that exists is because something bad happened. Yeah. Somebody died, or somebody got seriously <laughs> injured, or there was a bomb on a plane, or... And I, that's a hard one to say because you don't say that word around airports, but no, um, no, you it's, don't. it's true. So drones are moving way, way faster. You know, there's 120 years of aviation history. There's sure we can say there's probably about 60 years of drone, but in the commercial side, but, but really at scale at more like reality, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. 30. And so it's moving way, way, way faster. But for us as consumers and us going, well, no, I, I want it now. We're going, well, why isn't it there? I, I see drones hauling things all the time and it's just, it's safety. It's really making sure yep. that we don't have a severe incident that puts the entire industry back 10 years. Hmm. Which 100% being I grew up in the aviation space, growing up as a pilot, and everything is there for a reason. There's a checklist for everything for a reason. And and, and, I, and I appreciate it. And protection of human life is, is the number one driver. Uh, and then equipment and property and just the reality of that. Thinking about the airport, Makes sense to me. In my mind, I can get my head wrapped around that. But you get to see a lot of use cases or maybe areas that are like, huh, that's really interesting. Never been asked that or never saw that. Like on your, on your, on your website right now, energy and mining, airports and aviation, agriculture, defense, forestry. Even amongst those, what are some of the places you're seeing drones show up that's like, uh, maybe I guess I'm asking about cool factor, but unique applications that a few years ago just wasn't even close to on anybody's radar? Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's the entire space we play in. Is the <laughs> I, the, and the nice part about being, you know, kind of the, the, the head cheerleader and the, the crazy guy that everyone gets to follow is I get to help guide a lot of that. Um, so, you know, it's it was super simple. Some of this stuff just started out by listening, being at conferences and going, oh, well, you know, for instance, it, this is uh, kind of a bit boring one, but it helps pave the story. Runways have 
so many rules around paint and markings and how it must look and, and the rules on measurements and stuff like that. And we were in an FAA conference one time and they were saying that 80% of what airports get written up for is because their paint is out of compliance, their paint and signage. And I'm going, that, we can fix that. Like, you don't have to have a guy with a wheelie measuring tool shutting down an entire runway, making sure each piece of paint actually is in compliance. That's what drones are for. That's what technology is for. So the, the cool part for me is just, there's so many basic problems that technology like AIML, like drones can solve, but the reason it hasn't happened is because you're in a highly regulated environment. You're in a place where safety and security are first and foremost at all times. So you have to kind of get over that hurdle. But I mean, just the fact that I get to say that I've flown a robotic bird and that bird chases other birds away and keeps people safe in aircraft. Like, okay, that it's interesting. You see it on a video and you go, wow, that, that really looks like a real bird. And then you actually see it in person. You're going, oh my God, this thing actually flies. This thing actually has a purpose. And that wow factor, I get to see again and again and again every time we introduce the technology to somebody new. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, if it can do this, what about... What about keeping birds away from eating our wine grapes? What about this? What about that? And then all of a sudden, I get in rooms with yeah, people yeah, and yeah. the what if factor just starts spinning out of control. It's it's kind of fun to see. It, it's amazing. Once once a spark gets, you know what I mean? And you obviously go, oh, well, shit, if I could do that, what else can yeah. I do? Yeah. And now a message from one of our valued partners. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with International Justice Mission. Thank you to Philip Calvert and his team for the incredible work they do to bring awareness to the global problem of modern-day slavery. I'm proud to share with my audience that I formalized my relationship with IGMs for becoming one of their Canadian ambassadors. Why? Because I believe we can end slavery in our lifetime, and I want to use my platform to be part of that mission. For many of you, hearing that statement may be a rallying cry. For the rest, it may be a moment of, wait, what? Slavery? Is that even a thing? For me, up to 12 to 18 months ago, it was the second. I did not even understand the problem or that it existed at the scale that it does. Currently, there are over 40 million people affected by modern-day slavery. 40 million people. After a chance meeting with Philip Calvert, National Director of Development for IGM Canada, my eyes were open to the reality that poor people face the world over, a reality of violence that stops them from ever moving forward in their life. At first, this made me uncomfortable. Then it made me downright mad. But then it gave me hope. It is support of groups like IGM that will allow us to reach the goal of ending slavery in our lifetime and give hope to people who may have none. I know this can be an uncomfortable conversation, and that is okay. That's why we're going to go on this journey together. Stay tuned as we host guests from IGM who will help educate us, as well as upcoming events that, where we can meet the amazing people that make the work they do a reality. Please join me in supporting this incredible organization by visiting and donating to their cause at www.igm.ca. We will only succeed in any slavery in our lifetime if we work together to make a difference. Thank you for listening. And now back to today's good old fashioned chat. From an organizational perspective, what's your, what's your team size? I'm just curious about access to talent, what that's been like for you guys. Has that been a hindrance at all? What, uh, what's the kind of the dynamic of the organization behind, behind all this cool stuff? <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're uh, all predominantly Calgary based. I got a few remote folks. Uh, we are currently 22 people in size. Okay, cool. um, kind of grew from 15 before COVID. Well, I'm honestly, we're growing pretty quick. I'd say about, we'd be close to 30 by the end of the year, if not bigger. Um, okay. You know, it's, it's a group of 
everything from PhD mathematicians working in computer vision and machine learning to a bunch of highly skilled drone pilots that have backgrounds in engineering and geomatics in you know forest firefighting and in, in wildlife like we've we've created an eclectic group of people who have experiences and backgrounds that are important and put them together in a technology company that is now developing the solutions of the future in in those sectors and we focus really heavily the hard thing with drones and even with my own team is we can do everything we can do it all we should it's like whoa, whoa, whoa slow down like let's stick with what yeah, we yeah, know and yeah. let's let's find our niche let's find what we're good at there's other people solving these problems too we don't have to solve everything but you you don't want to you love i love the passion i love that like again, it's my team that makes this happen. I'm just the the talking head at the top. <laughs> Absolutely, no. We we all look silly rowing the big boat on our own. Uh, how how <laughs> has been in circles, right? Yes, and that's because that is what happens. You always pull harder on one side than the other. How has that been attracting talent? Has the has the cool factor and has the problems that you're solving been a real advantage from a recruitment perspective? It has. Um, it recruitment isn't easy especially in the tech sector right now especially when you think about software development and manufacturing like there's a lot of great stuff going on in calgary let alone in canada um but we do have a bit of a wow factor and a bit of a cool factor like we're a we're, we're working on and building drones that flap their wings there's no propellers we are creating real-time machine learning solutions that go on drones that are solving real world problems and so uh, you know the talent attraction is um, number one, this is real. You guys are real. Like this is real things, real problems, real solutions. You're building this and it, it's amazing. And the other attraction factor that we've been fortunate to have is just passion. Like we, we all love what we do, but, you know, culture is a big, big, important part of it for us. And, and we want to, we want to make sure, you know, we work really hard. We, we, you know, summertime is, is a grind. Wintertime is always, okay, what next? You know, now we're, now we're starting to build Robirds in Calgary. So, having fun while we do it being able to laugh a little bit make sure you can sit back and enjoy the successes we've had is is mm -hmm. been a big attraction factor too so you're doing some manufacturing here in in calgary specifically or in alberta yeah yeah our oh, awesome. robert we own the ip worldwide rights and ip for robert and we manufacture them assemble them here in calgary okay. um it's it's a combination of some that we do ourselves some that we get uh, we have partners that we have build each piece but yeah assembly happens here Oh, very cool. I'm curious. I'm an end user and I'm looking to solve a problem. Uh, cost is the cost is, is something that is the cost coming down. Is this a significant investment? I know that's a broad, how long is a piece of string question, but I'm always curious. Technology tends to, you know, evolve and reduce in cost, but this also feels like it's at the bleeding edge of like, we're solving new problems, even with technology that your point quote unquote has been around for 60 years, but we're creating such new opportunities in the way we manage data. Is this a pricey solution or is it all relevant to, to the way I was solving the problem before? <laughs> It, it's all relevant. I mean, if you just look at um, like drones on, on the overall average are, are coming down in price. Or okay. if they're not coming down in price, the amount of technology being put in them is mag. They're is, going up in value for the same price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And okay. and on the commercial side, especially with big players like DJI, they're, they have such a large piece of the market share, it's easy for them to kind of do that. But I think the bigger question you kind of have to ask is, it's not just the drone, right? The, the big piece yeah. everyone needs to think about is the drone is the tool. You have the regulatory component, the training. You have the data management piece. Are you actually, are you just doing video or are you actually getting into data analysis like we do in aerial survey? 
Um, now all of a sudden you need the computers to do the processing. You need the skill sets to be able to handle it. So it's, you know, for the most part, and then the second piece a lot of companies do is, oh, I'll just get a few drones fly them up. How hard could it be? And then all of a sudden they're realizing, oh, I actually had to build basically an aviation division and we're not an aviation company. So no, I'm, I'm done. I want to yeah, find yeah. a partner that can kind of do that. So for us, we've been on the leading edge of this, but what we've done is gone, okay, we're going to work with you figure out all those problems, get it solved, get it down to that standard denomination of, okay, now we it, everything's been yeah. worked out, it's repeatable, and then we package that, and now that's why we're actually moving into production and starting to build birds for other people, starting to get our real-time detection payloads onto the bottom of drones and, uh, and working with our partners to put them out into the world. Have we gone through that cycle or does it just depend on the industry where it's like, oh, I'll just buy a couple of drones and like, I'll buy a bunch of hammers and then we can call ourselves framers. No, um, the tool doesn't make the job always. It's certainly yeah. a good tool is to start, but have companies. And again, I've worked with that, I've worked in marketing. Oh, we can just do our own marketing. Oh, this is harder than we thought. We're going to outsource that now. But it, there's always, there's often a learning curve or there's different cycles. We in-house it, we outhouse it, or we outsource, not outhouse it. That doesn't sound right. We in-house it and we outsource <laughs> well, it. Let me get that. I'm like, well, hey, maybe it ends up there and ends up in the shitter. <laughs> um, are you starting to see a recognition by the industry of like, wow, this is more complex than me buying a drone? It depends on the industry and it depends yeah. on the, what they're <laughs> trying imagine. to do too. It's, that's the hard part again, why with it being a disruptive technology, like there's still people going, oh, we should maybe think about trying this thing called drones. And then you have other industries like ag and, um, you know, energy that have adopted drone technology, understand it incredibly well. And now they're going, great, we've figured out the ROI on this, but now we need the regs to move so we can do this beyond line of sight. We can go to that next step. That's when the true value is going to be untapped. So the spectrum across industries, it's all over the place. And then even inside of the industries, like an industry might use drones all the time just to throw a drone up to take video and look around a flare stack or look, yep. look at a greenfield site. But they're not using the aerial survey side of that yet. They haven't tapped into LIDAR. They haven't tapped into photogrammetry. Uh, so it's it's still maturing. We're, we're, we're getting out of the Wild West, but the realization of drones as a tool really is you find pockets of people who understand it, embrace it, and know it very well. And then you also find areas where people are just going, I've never even thought of this before. Right. You kind of, to me, it's kind of okay that someone buys a drone, maybe sees it, tries it, fools around with it, realizes what its capabilities are, realizes maybe what their limitations are, and that opens it up. There's always the gateway, right? And like yeah, the more people that always. get curious about things, the more opportunity, and then they go, whoa, what, <laughs> what? And then they start asking the what if questions, and that's when things really do open up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and a lot of it too is, or if you can find the right trusted folks that are in this industry too, they can save you a lot of time yeah. even if it's just giving <laughs> time, guidance time is advice, money and right? time and money yeah and that's that's the big thing you know not just us but you know other companies there's there's tons of drone companies drone service providers drone manufacturers in alberta it's actually pretty astonishing but we have about 40 percent of the operators in the entire country are based out of alberta in some way shape or form. oh wow that's a, oh that's a cool statistic yeah <laughs> Yeah, and, and so for me, I mean, not only as part of Arium, but you know, I'm, I'm part of our National Association, Aerial Evolution Association of Canada. I, that's that's a proud proud moment for me, and and being a born and raised Albertan, I, it's always about promoting this. It's always about making sure we can build it. But the amount of knowledge and expertise in this province is incredible. We just have to find a way to 
get that all distilled and then sell it to the rest of the world. Mm, which is, I you can apply that to a lot of the challenges we challenges and opportunities oh, yeah. we have in Alberta right now. So I'm 20 years old and I'm listening to this podcast and I want to get involved in this space. Do I become a drone pilot? Do I go down the hardware side? Do I look at software? Do I go, no, I want to get into machine learning and AI, but I want to apply it in this space. What kind of career advice or what, what are some of the paths that you would lay out or recommend knowing that these are people that could all work for you in the next couple of years? The answer is yes. No, <laughs> the funny part <laughs> on that is, um, if, I mean, people in school are coming into out of high school and wanting to look at, you know, polytechnical or university mm -hmm. style. The interesting piece about drones, again, is you, you're having people with aerospace backgrounds in aerospace engineering. You're having software developers and machine learning experts. You are having just operations folks um, and those that need to be just genuine pilots. And then you have the whole data management, data analytics side. So IT, AI, ML, manufacturing, engineering, like all of those aspects go in. So it's really a matter of what's your passion, what do you want to do. But if you want to get into the drone industry, all of those can be applied. And there are, you know, SATE has very specific um, certificates now that are beyond just learn how to fly a drone. Mm -hmm. um, Mount Royal is getting into that too. They're having the, the education in how are drones being applied to this is becoming one of those subsets to look at it. But I mean, the biggest thing from my perspective is find your passion, find what part of that is cool, but at the same time also get to learn how drones work. Go build your own FPV, go buy a DJI Mavic Mini, take your basic um, your uh, basic exam, learn and understand the regs. Like embrace this uh, industry, embrace what's happening. And a lot of these things, they're not that cost prohibitive. It's just do some research, take your time to figure it out, make sure you do it right. But those passions and hobbies and skill sets um, can apply. I mean, the amount of folks that work for us or have worked for us that fly drones as a hobby on the weekends or did FPV and, and built their own drones and yeah. you know, they might be a software developer, but yeah, they go they go fly FPV with their friends on weekends. It, it's kind of that interesting where your hobby meets your passion and then you have mm -hmm. a career come out of it. And that's the neat thing that uh, we're seeing is you, I, I always laughed as like, you fly drones all day for a living and then you go home and fly drones as, in your spare time. So yeah, that's, that's how I do it. It's like, okay. <laughs> I love the thing. I really like what you said about the anywhere from the polytechnic or the hands-on to the operation and the guy on the controls all the way up to the high conceptual university level uh, data scientist or, you know, all the different areas that that could, I really appreciate how they all encompass the industry of beyond like a drone is not just a drone is not a drone. It's all the layers that actually make it applicable and a problem solving tool for all these varying industries. That's pretty cool when you lay it out that way. Like it's pretty, that's a pretty wide swath that it cuts. It's, it's awesome. And, and that's, the... I see why you're excited about it, <laughs> Jordan, for <laughs> well, many reasons. And that's why the integration, like it's an integrative technology and that's why I, that was important for me to say early on. And that's why for mm -hmm. us as a company, we have to, uh, pump the brakes every now and then and just stay within our vertical, stay within <laughs> our swim lanes because you, it, there, the sky is the limit. And I am also a big fan Literally. of owning my puns, so I will yeah. own that. Um, but it, it's true. like, And that's that's the excitement and the passion. But it also, again, you know, being practical, being a, a guy raised on a farm and, you know, things have to work. 
you got to get past the the new and shiny and that it's just cool and it it needs to also solve a problem it needs to make someone's life easier in some way shape or form and that that's always an important part with this and that's the the risk you have on the entire industry is we were building amazing stuff but we need to make sure it has its place and that it's actually again saving lives making things more environmentally friendly and making things more operationally efficient and and safer that's that's what it comes down to it's such a common cycle for so much technology like oh it's so cool then the quickly the pragmatists show up in the room and go yeah great what the hell does it do and how much does it cost (laughs) you know finding that balance and i like what you said and i think any organization you're defined so often as you grow by what you say no to now because saying yes is sometimes a pretty easy and it's a little bit um (laughs) self-indulgent and as an organization nothing will kill you faster than too many yeses (laughs) yeah Absolutely. But saying no is hard because every, especially when things are very interesting. But when you have your criteria and I really, you know, for those who can't see you literally, you would want to, you named it out, like how important that is as an organization to go. These are our pillars, which then create our guardrails, which then create our focus and allows us to say no a little bit more easily because maybe it's no now, not no forever, but we're staying inside these lanes because this is what's important to us. And if it doesn't meet that. Yeah. And that's where, you know, as a startup or as in a rapid growth sector, you can really get caught up with momentum that can pull you in all kinds of different directions. The, 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 the river, the river bridges off into five different streams. Which one do you take? <laughs> the one that's the most relevant to your goals, but that sometimes is tricky to see in the moment. Well, and, and sometimes you, you might go down the wrong path. You might have to take a quick step back too, but being agile and nimble and, and making sure you stay within those pillars really helps. But that for us, it's, it's not a no, it's a maybe not yet, but it's also yeah. anytime anything kind of comes to us, it's like, how does that fit into our pillars and our values? Is that going to move the envelope forward or is that kind of branching out? And a lot of times we go, it might not be a no, but if we do decide to choose to go down that route, what's going to give? What do we stop doing? And and is it worth stopping doing that to pursue something new? And, and a lot of times that's where it's like, well, it's probably not fully formed yet. Maybe we should... Maybe we should pump the brakes and, and see where it goes while we continue to build out where we have had success. So that's the, that's the, uh, I always joke around, again, I'm a, a farm kid, but sometimes it feels like I've got an entire stable full of thoroughbreds and I'm just holding them all back by the reins. And sometimes I have to try and point them in the right direction. Uh, but uh, I'd, I'd well, rather th- have th- that. Th- than... Thoroughbreds wear blinders for a reason, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't grow up on a horse farm, but that's my, I mean, that's my best, like, I, I'm going to stop there. I also pretty, grew up on a farm, close, but yeah. it was more, more, more of an equi- a machine and equipment-based, uh, yeah. l- l- large-scale commercial uh, harvesting and all that. And that's the farm I grew up on. So you grew up around horses, I grew around up machinery. Each can be ornery in their own way. <laughs> oh, God. And, and usually at the same time, sometimes, too. <laughs> yes, yeah, so touche. touche. <laughs> Jordan, so good talking to you. I love your passion. Love the conversation. Such an interesting space. And to hear the role that Alberta and, you know, the amount of activity that's happening here around this, you know, I think we, you know, the, 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 the evolution, I was looking at our, our show notes from when we chatted pre of like really talking about what's happening in this province, which brings back my mandate of try to inform and inspire people on what's actually going on here. That often, if you don't know about it, you just, you, Oh, that's not happening in Alberta. Actually. Yes, it is. So kudos to you and what you're doing at Arium. And I love your passion and, and kind of the, the, the team and everywhere that you're, that you're heading with this. Uh, you guys have a great website. You have an, this website's pretty new. Uh, you did say soft launch, but we'll put it out. This will be out in a few weeks, but check out the website. You got some great information. It's really clearly laid out. It looks awesome. I haven't gone down the rabbit hole too deeply. I have checked out your YouTube channel as well, but awesome. everyone knows how to get a hold of everyone these days, but what's, do you have a preferred, what is your favorite way for people to get a hold of you? Mm. My favorite way for just reaching out is LinkedIn. I mean, okay, cool. uh, connect, message me, let you know, let people know you heard heard me on the on the podcast, and uh, we love to connect. I mean, it, 
as simple as how to get involved with the association, what are we doing, if there's any cool new ideas, just advice or guidance, or, or if there's maybe an opportunity that we kind of work together. Like I, LinkedIn is interesting. I never, I'm using it more as a chat feature now than I ever have because that seems to be the evolution on it, which is yep. which is good because it's, it's funny though. I have clients who are like, no, no, don't email me. You need to message me on LinkedIn. And I'm like, this is a little different than I'm used to. I, but, that's uh, so it, funny. You say that. We could do a, we could do a podcast <laughs> on just forms of ways of communicating and yeah. Oh, geez. Sorry. You messaged me on LinkedIn. I never checked that or, Oh no, I never checked my email anymore. I'm just like, Oh my God, you I almost know. have to try all the platforms. <laughs> Sometimes you do. Yeah. Yeah. But and, LinkedIn, uh, I appreciate that. You yeah. and I have communicated LinkedIn on LinkedIn. Great. So yeah, I do. I do have proof that you are responsive on your LinkedIn, which is, which, which, which is great. <laughs> it's a, it's one of those social media platforms that I don't feel has jumped the shark. You know what I mean? I, I use it as a tool. I feel it adds to my day. Some of the other ones, not so much. I'm going to be blunt. <laughs> I know. And, we'll, and we'll, we'll, they'll remain, we'll remain nameless. We'll just let all the other social. <laughs> we all know who we all have their guilty pleasures when you got five oh, minutes of time do. to waste. What platform do you click on? No, no <laughs> answers there. No, and there's, there's, no a, judgment. there's a whole, there's a whole round table right there. You should have one day. <laughs> oh God. I don't, I don't know if I want to give that any air. Just let that maybe simmer away. Yeah, there we go. That's Jordan. <laughs> really enjoyed chatting with you. Congrats on the, on the amazing success you guys are having. Love, love what you guys are doing. And I especially love that you're doing it right here in Alberta. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Tyler, and this was a pleasure. Awesome, my friend. Have an awesome day. You too.